Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. We hope today's message encourages, inspires, and empowers you to follow after Jesus like never before. Before we get into today's teaching, I want to invite you to join us live at one of our services at any of our three campuses in West Virginia, or join us as we stream live online. For more information or to save your seat at one of our services, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. Now let's check out today's message. Today, I'm actually going to kind of pick up a series that I did a while ago. You know, normally when we do sermon series, we try to preach through them all back to back to back. And sometimes we may have a guest speaker kind of hit a pause button in a sermon series for a week, and then we kind of jump back in. Well, I I preached a message back in July that I feel like God kind of gave me a second part to. So if you missed it in July, I preached about the last days. You can go back on the app. You can go back on YouTube channel, all those things, and you can find that message. But in that message, we talked about how the Bible says that in the last days that there was going to be a great deception. And it even goes as far as saying if, the day, if God didn't shorten the days, that even God's chosen people and the elect would be deceived by the deception. And we talked about the importance of uh, holding true to the word of God, that, that culture may change, that things in the world may change, but the word of God is that firm foundation that, that God's word never changes, no matter what culture says, that, that what God said and, and, and had the Holy Spirit penned through men thousands of years ago, it's still applicable for our lives today. And if we hold firm to that truth, then we won't be deceived by the enemy. And we talked about that importance of getting in the Word of God, getting the Word of God inside of you. And we talked about what Scripture says about the last days. And so we're going to look at a couple of the passages of what Scripture says. The first one's in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul writes this, and he says, you've got to realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Come on, can somebody say, we've had some difficult times lately. I mean, you look around and you see this. You, you, You see and you could stop right there and be like, yeah, Paul was a prophet. He knew exactly what he was speaking about. That, that was God speaking that. He goes on and says, but men will be lovers of themselves. Can somebody say amen? Lovers of money. They'll be boastful. They'll be arrogant. They'll be revilers. They'll be disobedient to parents. They'll be ungrateful. They'll be unholy. They'll be unloving. They'll be irreconcilable. Well, how many of you know things in our country today look a lot of things like it's going to be irreconcilable, differences in between Republicans and Democrats, racial tensions, you know, police officers and, and young black men and, and things. It looks like there's things that can be completely irreconcilable. And scripture said that in the last days, you're going to see things like that. There's going to be malicious gossips. Come on. Anybody ever been on Facebook? You have platforms of social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That is nothing but a bunch of gossip and a lot of opinions and, and things like that. I mean, Paul is nailing this uh, truth. It says, that, and people would be without self-control. They would be brutals, brutal. They'd be haters of good, treacherous, reckless. They'll be conceited, be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Listen, the sad thing is, is a lot of this stuff has even entered into the church today. That people 
care more about their vacations and their hobbies and their things like that and, the, and, and fulfilling the pleasures and desires of all those things. And I'm not saying that having a hobby or taking a vacation every now and then is a bad thing. But when you take a vacation from God, how many know it's a bad thing? They hold form to a form of godliness, but they have denied the power thereof, avoid such men as these. And we talked about this in that series, how it says when avoid such men as these, that that, that really is attaching to that last statement, which is the people that he's telling you to avoid is not the people who are malicious and gossips and that type of thing. He's telling you to avoid the people who have a form of godliness, but are really denying the power thereof. The people who are rejecting the power of God, the power of his spirit, the power of his love to flow through into other people. The, the, the people who are lovers of pleasure and, and hateful and angry and all that, we don't need to run from them. We need to take the love of Jesus to them and be a light in the world and try to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus taught about the last days. We've looked at this several times over the past uh, couple months and stuff in Matthew chapter 24. It says, you will hear of of wars and rumors of wars, but see that you are not frightened because these things must take place. So in other words, we don't need to be praying, God, stop all the wars and everything. God's saying, look, these things are going to happen. I I want you to realize when you start seeing these things that you don't have to be afraid that, that, that this is something that is going to come. But then he says this, he says, the end is not yet. So he's like, just because you see wars and rumors of wars, that's not the end of the craziness. You know, for, for thousands of years, and everybody seems to have always believe, you know, we're in the last days, we're in the last days, we're in the last days, because there's wars and rumors of wars, and there's different things like that. And I know growing up in, in, uh, when I was young, you had people who believed that God was coming back in 1988, 88 reasons why God is coming back in 88. And then people thought that God was going to come back in the year 2000 and, and everything, and And so what's happened over the course of time is because so many people have prophesied things and said, well, God's coming back now, and they've been wrong, that even people within the church have settled in and saying, well, I've heard this all my life. I've heard that God is coming back all my life. I am 60 years old, and when I was a child, I remember people preaching about this is the last days, and and God is coming back because there's wars and rumors of wars. But he goes on. And he says this, nation will rise up against nation. We talked about how that word nation means ethnos, which literally being translated race. So race will raise up against race. Kingdom against kingdom. In various places there will be famines. There will be earthquakes. But this is merely the beginning of all the pain. So in other words, God is saying that this process is going to come over time. Okay, so just because you see wars and rumors of wars doesn't mean it's the end. You're going to see wars and rumors of wars. And then there's going to be race rising up against race and kingdom against kingdom and famines. And there's going to be earthquakes and there's going to be things like that. But this is just the beginning. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you uh, women, when you had your first child, you, you, you may have went to the hospital a couple times thinking that you were in labor when you weren't quite in labor yet? Why? Because you started having these contractions and things. And, and so a lot of times with your first baby, the minute you start having contractions, if there's any type of consistency at all, it's like, oh, here it comes. And, and you're in the ER ready to, to kind of be observed. And you're in there for a little bit of time. They hook you up to the little machine and everything. You sit in there for a while, all uncomfortable and everything. And then they come in and we're like, nah, you're not in true labor. 
You can go on home. It's, it's, it's not time for the baby to be born yet. And sometimes, you know, as you get, you know, into your second and third child, you start learning that those early contractions doesn't mean that the birth is coming yet, that it's Braxton Hicks, it's just kind of a progression that, that over even a period of, of four or five weeks, you can start dilating and having contractions and everything, working to the point of the time when birth will take place. That's exactly what Jesus is saying in this, that the wars and rumors of war that the race rides on up against race, that the famines and the earthquakes and all that, that is Braxton Hicks, okay? It's not quite time yet. Hold tight. He goes on and says they will deliver you in the tribulation. They will even kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time, many will fall away and many will betray one another and even hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and lead people away. And because lawlessness is increased, the love of many will grow cold. But look at this. But the one who endures, say endures. You know what that word means? It means there's, there's going to be some opposition. Like, I know that there has been a lot of things of uh, uh, preaching and stuff that, hey, when, when all the stuff starts going crazy, Jesus is coming back right away, and, and we're going to get out before all the stuff gets crazy. Well, like I said before, if that's the case, we all miss the rapture because it's already gotten crazy out there. And it's getting crazier and crazier. In fact, there's more, more uh, uh, hurricanes and stuff this year than ever been before. They're already in the Greek alphabet and everything. And it's still fairly early on in the hurricane season. Why? Because scripture says that the earth is groaning for the spirit of the Lord to come back. The earth is groaning for Jesus to come back. You're seeing more and more now that these things that used to be spread out over a period of years are now being spread out over a period of months and then a period of weeks and now a period of even days that the the contractions are coming closer and closer. We can't fall asleep and believe that the baby isn't coming just because we've seen things happen over a period of time and, and realize that we have to realize that was the early pains. We are getting closer and closer because the disruptions and the famines and the earthquakes and the hurricanes and, and, and the wars and all those things are getting closer together just like it does with a woman who is going into labor. And so the church can't fall asleep and just think, well, I've heard this all my life. We've, we have to realize. But the other thing that we have to look at is, I don't know about you, but seeing verses like, they're going to deliver you to tribulation. You're going to be killed. You're going to see people fall away. Like, that doesn't encourage me very much. Like, I'm not like, yeehaw, woo, all right. Persecution. Somebody's going to kill me. People are going to hate me. This is so awesome. They're going to imprison me. Like that, people are going to fall away. People are going to leave the church. People are going to walk away from Jesus. That, that stuff doesn't excite me. It says he who endures to the end. Guys, hang on, hold on. That's why we need to get in the word of God. That's why we need to get in the presence of God. That's why as a body of believers, we don't need to be more disconnected. We be, need to be more connected than ever before. And we need to even realize that just because we've been in a building, it hasn't always meant that there's been connection. Crowd does not equal connection. 
And that's why, even with the Arise gathering, when after last year's Arise conference, which was phenomenal, 1,100, 1,200, 1,300, how many women there were that came out to the event, it was phenomenal to see the crowd. But one of the things that we walked away with was the thing of, we've got to get these women more connected. We can't just have them in, in a crowd. And even like the Arise gatherings and things that we had here, uh, uh, the Sparkle Nights and everything, we were having 500 women packing them in here and everything, and, and you couldn't have any room overflow over into the community center all that and that was an amazing thing but a crowd does not equal connection we got to get closer and then Jesus says this in verse 14 he says this gospel must be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then look at this and then the end will come Jesus told his disciples and was telling us that in the last days, these things are going to happen. But hold on, endure, because he knew that the tendency would be that when all this craziness goes on, to go into self-preservation mode, to make sure that I have mine protected, that I, I have all the things that I need, to begin to fight anything that looks like it's coming against me or my freedoms or my rights and begin to, to become self-focused in all of these things. But Jesus said, listen, I don't want you to go in self-preservation mode. You have to realize that all these things may be coming and all these things may happen, but the other thing that has to happen is my gospel has to be preached in all the world. Don't get distracted by all the noise that is going on. Stay on course. Stay on mission. Stay on focus. What was the mission? Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Make what? Disciples. Not draw crowds. The disciples had to give up some things in order to follow Jesus. The disciples had to, to pay a price in order to follow Jesus. The disciples didn't come and go as they wanted. See, the crowd would come and go to where Jesus was. They would come and hear a word, and then they would go back, and they would do their thing, and they would do family life and everything. And then when Jesus came back close to them, they would go hear him again. They would see all the miracles performed. They would watch from a distance. But God didn't say he wanted us to make a crowd of people who are spectators, who go home every Sunday, and they do their thing, and they do their family thing, and then when they got free time, then they come back to the crowd, they hear another message they're inspired they go do it again he said no 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 you got to make disciples you got to get people who are committed to the cause of Christ you got to get people that when all the craziness goes on they don't get they don't get distracted by all the noise and the things that are going on but they connect in and they dig that much deeper into me you look at Jesus in John chapter 7. He's preaching a hard message. It may be 6. It's 6 or 7. He's preaching a hard message. The crowds walked away. The 70 who Jesus had anointed, they healed the sick, they cast out demons, they, they did all of those things. They walked away. It was only the disciples that stayed close. That is why Jesus said, I don't want you to draw crowds. I need you to make disciples. Jesus didn't go to a cross 
for you to be a part of a crowd. Jesus went to the cross so that you could be a disciple. And can I tell you something? The abundant life is not found in the crowd. The blessing that you desire is not found in the crowd. The blessing is found when you're a disciple. The blessing is found when you're persecuted. That's why I said, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. Don't lose mission. And this message that Jesus is preaching may seem like some bad news and some negative things. I mean, the disciples, you got to put yourself in this position. The disciples with Jesus, they, they had always been with him. They had begun to find their identity in being in Jesus's crowd, inner circle, among him and, and everything. They, they, they were the ones who were near him when he, you know, they were passing out the food to the thousands. They're the ones who were near him when he's performing the miracles and all of those things. They were connected in with him. And then Jesus tells him, listen, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. And and Peter's like, no, this ain't going to happen, Lord. And Jesus looks at him and says, get thee behind me, Satan, because you don't know the things of God. He heard bad news, and Peter didn't want to receive it. He's like, no, I'm going to fight against that. No, Jesus. He, he rebuked Jesus. Come on, that is not smart. Jesus tried to prepare them over and over and over because they thought he was going to establish an earthly kingdom. And he kept trying to tell them, I'm not, I'm not here. This isn't, this isn't about establishing an earthly kingdom. And, and, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to die and all that thing. And then in, in the Last Supper, he tells them, I'm, I'm going to go away. And again, for people who have found their identity in being in the inner circle, that was bad news. And he even told him, he's like, don't, don't be disheartened, don't be discouraged. I'm going to go away and I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I'm going to come back one day. Jesus always didn't just give bad news, but he, he kind of attached some good news to it to give people hope. Even when Jesus is getting ready to be ascended, the disciples still, okay, so they, they think Jesus is going to establish a kingdom. Jesus says, no, I'm going to die. So then when Jesus raised again, they're like, okay, now it's time for the kingdom, right, Lord? And that's what, what they're saying in Acts chapter 1, after they seen uh, in verse 6, it says, so when they came together, they were asking, Lord, is it now time to restore the kingdom of Israel? Is now the time when you're going to fight back the, the Roman oppression and the governmental oppression and all of those things and regulations that the government is putting on us and, and restrictions the government is putting on us? Is it time for you to fight them now and establish your kingdom in Israel? And Jesus gave them something that they didn't want to hear. It is not for you, time for you to, it's not for you to know the time or the epics that the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, no, guys. Not only am I not going to, is it not time, but I'm not even going to tell you when it is time. I'm not here to overthrow an earthly government. That's not, that's not what I'm here. And then he goes on in verse 8. He says, but, say that with me, say but. For all you English professors, you know the word but is, is a connecting word there. It's, it's connecting a thought there. No, it's not time for me to establish an earthly kingdom, but this is what it is time for to happen. I'm going to send my spirit and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
And you will be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. I'm not, I'm not going to overthrow the government right now. I'm going to send my spirit. Remember, I told you I was going away. You remember at the Last Supper, John chapter 6, verse 7? He said, I tell you the truth, it is, it is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, then he's not going to come to you. But if I go away, I'll be able to send the Holy Spirit to you. So don't, don't be upset about the fact that I'm going away because now is the time when ministry is going to become good. The spirit of God that's been leading me and been empowered on me, because remember, Jesus didn't start his ministry. Now you go back and you look at the end of Matthew chapter three, I believe it is. Jesus is baptized, right? And it says that the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove or as a dove. And then the very next verse in chapter four, it says, and then the spirit of God led Jesus in into the wilderness to be tempted. And you remember, Jesus said, I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. I don't, I don't do anything unless I see the, the, the Father do it. Well, how did he hear the Father saying it, and how did he see the Father do it? Because the Spirit was showing him what the Father wanted him to do. The Father, the Spirit, Jesus did ministry by Spirit-led ministry. The Holy Spirit led him in all those things. And so he performed that. And he said, it's to your advantage that I go away because if I'm here, God is only present where I am. But if I go away, I'm gonna send you the Spirit. And when the Spirit empowers you, God will be present wherever you are. And then when people get saved and the Spirit of God moves into their heart, then God will be present wherever they are. That's why Paul said, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That's why we said early on in Corona that yes, things are different when we're meeting in homes, you know, when everything was shut down and nobody was able to be in the building. Yes, it's a little bit different, but you have to understand you can experience the presence of God wherever you are. If you're in a hotel room, if you're in your home, if you're in your bedroom, your living room, if you're in another campus, wherever, you can experience the presence of God wherever you are because the Spirit of God is inside of you. And the disciples thought that Jesus was coming back to establish a centralized government. And they wanted to be with Jesus because that was where the presence of God was. And they wanted to stay where Jesus was. But Jesus said, no, 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 I want you to spread out into all the world. I'm, I'm giving you my spirit so that you're not just in Jerusalem, but that you can go to Judea and you can go to Samaria and you can go to the uttermost parts of the world because wherever you are, my presence will go. And that's exactly what God is telling the church world today. The church wants to have the centralized church where everybody comes to a building and we have church together and the presence of God is in the building. And that's great to have people together in the presence of God be in the building. But God's desire is not that the presence of God is only at 294 Crossroads Drive or whatever address that a church building is. God's desire is that the presence of God will be wherever you abide. And so wherever you are, my spirit will go with you. 
And he even said in the last days, in Acts chapter 2, he said this, in the last days uh, that, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Say all. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see uh, visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on your bond slaves, both men and women, I will come and I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. The word prophesy there means to speak on behalf of God. Now who did he say he was doing this to? What was the word I had you repeat a minute ago? All. It is God's desire to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Not his desire to pour out his spirit on the worship team, missionaries, pastors, evangelists, teachers. All of those people are part of the ministry team of God that God uses to build up and to establish and to minister to the saints so that the saints can fulfill the ministry of God. He says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on men. I'm going to pour out my spirit on women. I'm going to pour my spirit out on old people. I'm going to pour my spirit out on young people. He even talks about slaves. so, So the people who own the slaves and the people who were slaves. So rich and poor. I want to pour my spirit out on all flesh. It doesn't matter if you grew up in a crack house. It doesn't matter if you grew up in a church. None of those things matter because in the last days, my spirit is not going to be limited to one location. My spirit wants to pour out on all flesh. It doesn't matter whether you're Baptist, Methodist, heathen, church of God, assembly of God, whatever your background is, whatever group of believers you associate with, that doesn't matter because God's desire is that everybody can experience the presence of God. And that the spirit of God would be poured out on him. Why? Because God's desire was that they would go to, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. God's desire was that all the parts of the body would begin to find their gift, their talent, their ability. And, and what the spirit of God was empowering and leading them to do to reach the lost people, to minister to hurting people, to meet the needs of people. And it's exactly what you see in the book of Acts. After they hear the word of God, 3,000 people are saved that day. They begin breaking bread in homes. They begin praying for one another. They begin meeting the needs of one another. It wasn't like if somebody was sick that they, they're like, hey, we got a call for one of the apostles to come pray for them. They realized that the Spirit of God was on them to pray for them, that they didn't have to have the pastor come do it. Because the Spirit of God was poured out on all flesh. So the same Spirit of God that's in Peter that just preached the message is the same Spirit of God that now is inside of me. So I don't have to call for Peter to come pray. I can go pray. I don't have to go make sure that the church knows of a need that's coming up. God has empowered me to be able to meet needs. And they even begin selling stuff. They begin doing whatever it was. They just begin to take care of one another. Yes, they had their crowds because they would still go to the temple and the synagogues. But the discipleship was taking place in the homes. 
Because the individuals realized that the Spirit of God was upon them to pray for the sick, to, to study the apostles' teachings. The Spirit of God was upon them to begin to pray for one another and, and, and to meet needs of one another. They, they didn't rely on the church. In, in the American church culture, everybody's relying on the church to do the ministry. But in, in, in scriptural church and the way that God established the body of Christ, and when you read what Paul's letters and everything is, he's like, no, 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 no. The pastors, the teachers, the apostles, they're there to invest in the church so the church can do the ministry. I've given you the spirit of God. We've already talked about how God gives us the word of God. God's word is there and it's there for the teaching, for correction, for reproof so that every man of God, say every man of God may be adequately equipped, what? For the works of the ministry. Do you see how limited our view of church has been? And God sent the blessing of coronavirus to say, guys, you've missed it. We're all, you're, you know, this isn't about Pastor Brandon. This isn't about Stephen Furtick or Craig Rochelle or Robert Morris or any of these things. Those are just people who are investing in you because the Spirit of God is inside of you. My desire is in the last days that I pour my Spirit out on you and use you to build the kingdom of God. Guys, we have to remove the limitations that we place on God. What are some of those limitations? I'm not good enough. I, I don't understand the word enough. I, I, I'm still a work in progress. I, I still got issues in my life. All those things. But listen, what did I start every one of those sentences with? I, I, I. The gospel has never been about you, you, you. It's always been about him, him, him. And he sent his spirit to empower you, you, you to point people to him, him, him. But Pastor Brandon, like, I don't experience the presence of God in my home like I do in church. There's just something that's different about church. Then when I come into church, I experience the presence of God. Uh, and, and here's the thing. Part of that is because you're around other believers. So you know what you do? You do what they did in the book of Acts. You invite other believers into your home. And you begin to have church there. What's the other part of the thing? We eliminate distractions. We put all your kids that would be crying and pulling at your hair and everything, we put them back in children's ministry to invest in them so that you can hear from the word of God. There's no dog running around acting crazy inside of here. There, there's no telephones that are turned on, hopefully. Sometimes every now and then people get a call, but, but most of the time there's not telephones that are ringing constantly to distract you. So you, this building has been established and tried to eliminate distractions so that you can stay focused. Well, if you do the same thing in your home, if the Spirit of God is inside of you and upon you and empowered you to be able to believe, if the people could hear the words that Paul had written on a page and the Spirit of God convict them and change their lives and them bring correction and everything, don't you think that you can look at my face on a TV screen? And hear the word of God. The word of God is still powerful. It doesn't come, it doesn't matter if it's coming over this microphone, you're hearing it from these speakers, or you're hearing it from the speakers on your iPhone, your iPad, or the speakers on your TV. The power isn't in the delivery system. The power is in the word. And so many times when we're in a home, we're more spectating than participating. Because that's the other thing. When we're in church, we see other people raising their hands. We're right there raising our hands. When we're at home, sometimes we're just kind of sitting back, just like, yeah, that's good. Uh, uh, uh. 
eat some Cheerios. I don't see nobody eating Cheerios in here right now. Everybody left the Cheerios at home. They ate it before they came in here. But I can tell you what the, the other thing is. Is that before you ever get here, the Holy Spirit's been welcomed into this building. Because there is not a time that I come up on this platform that I haven't been here for hours beforehand walking through, praying over every seat. God, encounter. Let people encounter you. Let them hear your spirit. Holy Spirit, touch them. You know where they are. Touch them, God. Believe them. God, bring healing. God, bring restoration. God, bring hope. God, bring deliverance. God, bring freedom. There's not a Sunday that I'm not up here on my face. God, remove any of me so that they don't hear me. They see you. Holy Spirit, I know I've studied this message, but God, I, I hope that you just eliminate my thoughts toward this and you speak to the needs that are in the room today. Holy Spirit, I yield myself to you. You are welcome in this place. And we're praying over this room. We're inviting the Holy Spirit in. Listen, <clears throat> in your homes is the Holy Spirit welcome. The other thing is this big screen that you see behind me, you're not going to see shows on it full of sexual content, full of vulgarities, and all those things. Why? Because this is a sanctuary. Guys, we need to make our homes our sanctuary. And anything that we wouldn't allow in here, we need to cut it off from being in there. The other thing, guys, honestly, are things that the church has taught. Well, I'm just a woman. I can't speak for God. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm all, all these things. But what did, what did this verse say? Look, listen. Instead of saying, I know there's some people who be like, well, there's verses that say that women can't speak and this and this and all these different things, but that, that's great. But let's, let's look at this one passage right here. So even if that's applicable every other time, Jesus, or through, through the Spirit of God through Peter said, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my Spirit on men <clears throat> and women. Can I tell you something? If you look in the Bible a lot of times, Scripture just refers to man, like mankind, as a whole. But the Holy Spirit was specific on this one. He said, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not just doing it on mankind. I want you to understand this is men and women. This is young and old. This is slaves and the people who own slaves. In other words, I want to eliminate every one of the excuses that you can bring as far as the disqualification that you think that this doesn't apply to you. Because it's not been about your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your qualifications. It's never been about your ability. It's always been about your availability. Will you position yourself in a place where the Spirit of God can flow through you? Or are you going to be so distracted doing everything else? Scripture teaches that the Holy Spirit, He's there to, to teach us. So if you don't understand something in Scripture, you know what you do? You talk to the person who wrote it. Say, God, 
Spirit of God, you said you would teach me. So teach me. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1, I think it's verses 18, 19. Paul wrote this. He said, I pray that the the eyes of your enlightenment would be opened. There's been many times that I've sat in front of Scripture and I'm like, God, I pray that you open my eyes to see what the Spirit of God is teaching. And then here's the thing. When I see something popping up more than one time, I don't just ignore it and be like, wow, that's coincidence. I've heard that three or four times. I stop in that moment. I'm like, okay, God, what are you speaking to me? God, what do you speak? And it doesn't have to be through your own word. This, this week, I read a Bible story to Chanan in one Bible about Noah's Ark. I read it to her, and the, ne- the next morning, I pull out her Bible. It's a different Bible that I was reading, and it's Noah's Ark. Then I'm reading in my story, and it's about Noah's Ark. And I'm like, okay, God, what are you trying to show me through this? Why am I reading about Noah's Ark? I, I know this isn't just something, you know, in general, like, coincidence that three times I read about Noah's Ark and I started praying and I stopped and I positioned myself and said God what are you speaking to me and a scripture came to my mind as it was in the days of Noah so it shall be in the last days I was like okay what part because it goes on and says people would be drinking and having you know, marriage, giving to marriage, all these different things like that. But I didn't feel like that was what God was saying it was going to be like. But that wasn't what he was trying to point to me. I was like, God, what, what specifically is going to be the thing? And it came to my mind, while the judgment is poured out upon the world, the righteous were safe, provided, and protected for in the ark. And then I was like, you know what? It was the same way in Egypt. When the plagues were going on, they were protected. Their cattle was protected. They still had sunlight. God is trying to tell me that no matter how crazy it gets, that if I just stay on the ark, I stay focused, I stay preaching the word, I stay on mission, that there's going to be protection, there's going to be provision. Don't get off the ark. Stay right where I put you. And he doesn't just speak to me like that because I'm a pastor. He says, I want to pour out my spirit on Allah. I want to teach all of you. I want to lead all of you. I want to convict all of you. So that little thing that's that, we call it our conscience, that says don't do that, don't post that, don't watch that, don't say that. That's the spirit trying to bring conviction so that you don't do that. Or when you do something, you start feeling like, oh, that was wrong. That's the Spirit saying, so go ask for forgiveness. Show them something different than what they see in the world. And see, here's the thing about it that's so beautiful. When we make ourselves available for the Spirit of God, He enables us to do things that we would never be able to do in our own strength. And I think this is the problem that so many people within the church world today, they've tried to do ministry before, but they've tried to do it in their own strength. Think about this. When they came out of the upper room, it says that they were speaking in tongues, right? I know some people are like, oh, wait, here we go, tongues. This is going to get crazy now. No, hold on. Before you write all this off, I don't know. It's sad that because of things we've been taught, that we're afraid of the Holy Spirit. 
He's God. He's the form of God that lives within us. I know we pray, Jesus, come into my heart, but Jesus isn't in your heart. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit's in your heart. Okay? Don't be afraid of him. He's not weird. People are. Okay? But it says these people walked out and they're praying in other languages. And it says that people from Persia and Mede and all these places, they said, who are these people who are speaking in other languages? They're speaking about the goodness of God in our language. These people are Galilean. In other words, they're uneducated. How in the world do they know Persian and Median and all these things? Why? Because the Spirit of God spoke through them. Pastor Brandon, you think this can happen today? Yes, I know it can happen today. You know why? Because it's happened, I've seen it. When we were in Baton Rouge, we were youth pastors at a church. And we had a Russian foreign exchange student that was in our youth group. Her name is Katya. Katya Korkina. And there was one night she came up to the altar and she's broken and weeping at the altar. And Melody went over to her and typically when we pray for people, we don't pray in tongues over people. It's just because it can be distracting for them, especially if they, they don't believe in, in that and that type of thing. So we don't do that. But Melody is, is praying in tongues and then service is over and Katya comes up and she's like, can I ask you a question? Yeah, what do you need? How do you know Russian? And he's like, I don't know Russian. She said, I just got a letter from my father. And the reason why I came to the altar is because I was broken. I was hurt because of this letter. And in perfect Russian accent, Melody is praying, you have to release him. You have to forgive him. You have to release him. You have to forgive him. Melody doesn't know Russian. Melody didn't know about the letter, but the Holy Spirit did. And the Holy Spirit can empower you to do things you can't do yourself. Guys, I can barely read half the time. And I make my living from reading the Word of God, understanding it, dissecting it to teach other people the Word of God. Why? because it's never been about my ability. It's always been about my availability. And God wants to pour his spirit out on you the very same way. The question is, will you make yourself available? Will you position your home and make it a sanctuary to invite the presence of God into your home so that you can feel the presence, same presence of God that you used to feel in church, that you feel it right there in your home? In your car leaving, will you make yourself available for the presence of God? When you go to work, will you make yourself available for the Holy Spirit to speak to you? He said, the reason why I'm going to do all these things and empower you is so that you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. He said, I'm going to pour out my, my, my spirit on all flesh so that they can prophesy or so that they can speak on my behalf. Are we making ourselves available to the Spirit of God to speak to us, to speak through us, to reach lost and hurting people? 
I want you to bow your heads for just a second. I just want you to take a second and just do a little evaluation. In your homes, do a little evaluation. Have I made excuses to eliminate myself? Have I believed lies of the enemy that I'm too old, I'm too young, I, I'm not good enough, I, I just got saved, I, I still have issues, I still struggle, I, there's, there's still things going on in my life, how can I ever be used? And I, I know God can use Pastor Brandon, and I know that God can use Melody, and I, and I know that God can use Travis, and I know that God can use, but, but God can never use me in that way. You got to take the limitations off of the Holy Spirit. Because what's impossible with man, with God, nothing is impossible. Father God, I just pray that we remove limitations. And we make ourselves available, God, <clears throat> to your spirit. God, you said that you want to pour out your spirit on all flesh. Lord, pour your spirit out on me. Come on, if that's your desire, just, just hold your hands out and say, God, pour your spirit out on me. Come on, in your homes, just, God, pour your spirit out on me. God, any gift, any, anything that you want, God, I want all of you. Your word says that those people that hunger and that they thirst for righteousness, that not only will they be satisfied, but God, you said that they would be filled, God. Father, I pray that you pour out your spirit, that God, that you pour it out so much, God, that it just overflows, Father. That, Father, it, it, that, that like Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bones, God. That, Lord, it just begins to flow out. The, the word of God just comes out of our mouth, God. The words of encouragement just come out of our mouth, God. The words of correction and love just come out of our mouth, God. The words of love and hope just come out of our mouth that it's not even something that we have to plan or think about. In fact, you told your disciples that, that when they stand before people, not to even give thought of what they're going to say because in that moment, the Spirit of God would speak through them and fill them, God. Lord, we ask for that type of infilling, God. We ask for that type of pouring out, God. That we encounter your presence, God, not just in this room, not just in our home today, God, as we're watching, not just in other campuses today as they're watching, God. But every day of our life, let us take the position of Holy Spirit, I'm empty. Holy Spirit, I'm dry. I want more of you and less of me, God. Let us have the understanding of John the Baptist who said, God, I must decrease so that you can increase, God. So anything that's inside of me that's my philosophies, my will, my way, my dreams, my ambition, my things, God, I pray that it goes, God. Lord, you said in your word that we would pray that your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and so father we pray that not my will but like Jesus said not my will but your will be done God and if I suffer I suffer like Esther prayed if I perish I perish but God I can't sit by while people are lost and dying and hurting and far from you God Lord I ask for the empowerment of your spirit God to fill me full 
and running over, God, so that I would be your witness in Jerusalem, God, in Judea, in Samaria, and even around the world, God. Lord, speak through me. Let your love flow through me, God. Let me be a peacemaker, God, not a peacetaker, God, because I usher in the presence of God everywhere that I go. God, when people hear my words, may they not hear me, but may they hear you. When people feel my touch, may they feel as if you reach down and touch them, God. God, here I am. Just like Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I realize my faults. I realize my failures. But God, here I am. Cleanse me. Send me. So, Father, I just pray over every individual, God, you know the gaps, you know the imperfections, you know the shortcomings, God. And you're not afraid of them. Because your spirit not only empowers us to be witnesses, but, God, your spirit, if we would yield and listen for him, he would keep us far from sin and empower us to walk free from that. God, teach us to hear your voice. Lord, you said that your sheep know your voice and no other will they follow. I pray that we know your voice and that we follow your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. We love you and have a great day.